Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the Word. God bless you. I'm excited for Easter Sunday. I just want to share quickly with you just a few things. Um, and whenever I come uh, upon Easter, I can't help but think of kind of the few days leading up to the resurrection. Obviously, the resurrection is the culmination, but a lot of things happen before that. And uh, I kind of look at it as three different parts, like a three-part miniseries on Netflix or something like that. The first part is the decision. The second part is the death. The third part is the resurrection. And I feel like the decision to me is one of the most powerful things that happened in the entire Bible. And it happened on Thursday. If it wasn't for Thursday, Friday wouldn't have been good. So Jesus goes and has communion, has the Last Supper, which we kind of just did. And then he takes his disciples to the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane. I've been to the Garden of Gethsemane in Israel, and uh, it's a powerful anointed place. There's olive trees everywhere. In fact, Gethsemane means oil press. It means oil press. So what they would do back in the day is they would take the olives and they would put them in, a, in an oil press and they, it, would, it would press down and then the oil would come out for the olive oil and they would make olive oil. And, and it's a picture of Jesus in the garden himself. He was, he was faced with a decision to redeem the world. And you may be thinking, well, he's God. He had to do it. Well, he was actually 100% God, but he was 100% man. So he had a will himself. He could have chose not to do it. It may have thought like a good idea when he came from heaven, but when he was facing the reality of the redemption of mankind, all of that weight was on him in the garden. And he would go out and pray and he would feel that way because all of his boys, all his disciples didn't come. They all fell asleep. He's like, can't you just pray with me? Three times they fall asleep. And so he's by himself. It's just him and God. And there's all this pressure, all this pressure. And the Bible says that he was so such in despair and so stretched out that he was um, sweating drops of blood. And then he came on this decision. Would he decide to go to the cross on Friday and make Friday good. And this is what it says in Luke 22, 41 to 43. Maybe not the most popular scripture in the Bible, but I think perhaps the most powerful. It says, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed saying, father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. In other words, it wasn't his will at that time. He wanted another solution. He wanted another solution. The Bible calls calls Jesus the second Adam. We find the first Adam in the Garden of Eden at the beginning, and when he was faced with a decision, does he choose God's will or does he choose his own will? He said, not your will, God, my will be done. And he reached out and he took of the fruit, and sin entered into humanity, thus signing the death certificate of Jesus Christ and setting the redemption plan in motion thousands of years earlier. He had no idea. Now Jesus is at that same point. He's in another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and he has the opportunity to choose God's will or his will. And this is what it says. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven strengthening him. 
So Jesus chose the right decision. The second Adam redeemed the first Adam in the second garden. And because he did that, because he made that decision to go to the cross, Friday became good. So I'm thankful for Thursday because it was decision on Thursday that made Friday good. And I just want to encourage you, whenever you decide to choose God's will, just like Jesus did, it might be tough. It's not always easy, but he'll always send strength from heaven. Just like he sent the angel to strengthen Jesus, he will send strength from heaven to strengthen you if you decide to follow his will. And we're all going to have that opportunity in just a little bit to decide to follow him. Part two of this mini series is the death. Pastor Jurgen covered that quite a bit in the, in the communion message. And so we're going to skip to part three, the culmination. The grand finale, the resurrection, the reason why we're here today, the fact that all of hell was trying to hold Jesus Christ in the tomb, but on day three, despite all of that pressure, despite all of hell trying to keep him in the tomb, he got up and he rose again. The Bible says the spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us or has the opportunity to live in us. Should we receive him? So it's the grand finale. And it's interesting that we find ourselves in another garden. We saw the Garden of Eden with the first Adam, the second Adam, the Garden of Gethsemane, and now we're going to the third garden where Jesus was buried. The Bible says he was buried in a garden, in the tomb, in the garden of Joseph of Arimathea. It was a virgin tomb. No one had ever been in there before. But when I went to Israel, when I went to Jerusalem and I, and I toured the area, I've actually been there twice, been to the tomb twice, and guess what? It's still empty. He ain't there. He's still alive. But when I went there, I realized that it's not just a garden. There's actually a wine press in the garden where Jesus was buried. And they, and they said that it would have been around thousands of years ago when he was buried in this tomb. So it wasn't just a garden. It was actually a vineyard where wine would have been, would have been made, which is so interesting because wine in the Bible is new life. It's celebration. It's harvest. So it's interesting that Jesus came on the scene in his ministry, turning water to wine, celebration, new life. And then he's buried in a tomb in a vineyard that speaks of celebration and new life. It's amazing when you start to see all of these different things in the Bible. And just so you know, wine is a resurrected version of a dead grape, in case you're wondering. So Jesus is put into the tomb on a Friday. And then Mary Magdalene on Saturday, he just, he just sleeps. I think he was just tired. He's like, man, a lot went on on Thursday. Big decision. And then Friday, crucifixion. He's like, I'm going to be chilling on Saturday on the Sabbath with everybody else because I know on Sunday I got to get up. So on Sunday, Mary comes to the tomb, and all of a sudden there's an earthquake, and an angel descends and answers Mary, and she says, or he says, but the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said he would. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And it's incredible because Resurrection Sunday, Sunday is actually what gave the bread his body and the, and the juice his blood power. Because if he wouldn't have rose again on Sunday, none of that stuff would have had power. We would still be in our sins. This is what Paul says. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 15, 13 says, But if there was no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. 
And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. So it was the resurrection on Sunday that gave his blood power in your life, that gave his body power in your life. Had he not raised from the dead, we'd still be in our sins. We'd still not be redeemed. I'm so grateful that Jesus decided to get up on Sunday so that you and I can be saved. And he gave all of us power to live a life just like he did. And it was that power, that life-changing, life-transforming, life-healing, life-delivering power that I missed growing up as a Christian. See, I was saved when I was six years old. I remember asking Jesus into my life with my Superman sheets. Jesus came into my life, no doubt. I'm a fourth-generation Christian, at least, that I know about. My parents are Christians. My sisters are Christians. My grandparents are Christians. My great-grandparents are Christians. My kids are Christians. There's Christians everywhere. But there was a, something that I missed growing up, and it's nobody's fault. I'm grateful for my upbringing. I'm grateful that I was raised in the house of God, but I was raised in a way that I didn't know that there was power available. And it's because I didn't surrender everything. I never read the Bible for myself. I just came on a Sunday, and whatever they said, I heard, and that was it. And, you know, I did the things that a lot of people do. I, I went to high school, and all of a sudden sports took over, and I played all kinds of sports. And then I went to college and played baseball, and then I played pro baseball for a little bit. And I did all the things that you might think. Well, not all the things. Some of the things you might think that athletes do. <laughs> so I was a good person, but I wasn't a great Christian. And it wasn't until I met my beautiful bride. Sometimes, fellows, we need a good woman in our life that I was like, oh my gosh, she was actually the first person that I loved um, friendship-wise or girlfriend-wise or whatever that actually pushed me towards Christ and didn't take me away. I didn't have Christian friends growing up. The Christian friends I had growing up or the Christian people I knew growing up were kind of stale and kind of, uh. And so when I, when I met my wife, I was like, yes. And then we got involved in a church. The greatest thing I ever did for my Christianity was get into a connect group, get around other Christian people and start to do life with people who are on the same journey as me. My wife told me that she would never marry a man that didn't tithe. So I was like, Lord, 10% and I can have this beautiful woman. I'm in 10%. Boom. It was over. It was that, it was that fast for me. So I started to tithe. I started to surrender areas of my life. And then all of a sudden I was at a connect group one time and I was like, God, how come nothing ever really changes? How come when we pray, nothing happens? How come every week we come to the same connect group, we pray for the same things, and we don't see any results? And I said, God, why, if this is Christianity, I don't know if I want it. What's the point? I can do this life without you. And then God took me on this journey, and I started to seek the power of God. I started to seek miracles, signs, and wonders. I started reading books. I'm like, are all these people lying? There's no way all these people are lying. How come I never see any of this stuff? Then I got sick. This was before I got to Awaken Church, but I had met Pastor Jurgen, And so I got sick. I had this excruciating pain in my stomach. A lot of you know the whole story. I'm going to make it short. And I, and I went to the hospital three nights in a row. They told me I was dehydrated and constipated. And I was like, man, constipated people, that hurts. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then the, the third day they checked my blood and they said, no, you're not constipated. Your, your kidneys are failing. So they admitted me into the hospital and over the next four days, I lost, four, I lost 20 pounds, and then I was constipated because they were giving me all kinds of drugs, TMI. 
but I lost 20 pounds over the next four days and I was about to get a biopsy on the fourth day. And then I called my friend, Matt, who knew Pastor Jurgen, And I said, hey, would Pastor Jurgen be able to come and pray for me? He's the only pastor I knew. He's the only person I knew that knew how to pray with power. And so he said he would, but he was out of town. So he sent this guy named Mark. Mark came into my hospital room with Matt. My whole family and my friends were, were sitting in there. And Mark began to pray for me. He said, I have a word from you out of Isaiah 58 that your healing shall come forth speedily. Now, just a few days earlier, the doctor asked my wife, do we have a will? Little did we know my wife was pregnant at that time. We ended up losing the baby because of the stress. So Mark comes in and he says, I got a word from God from you. And he says, your healing will come forth speedily. He lays his hands on me. Electricity fills my body. My heart's beating out of my chest. The presence of God enters the room. I had never felt it. I had never heard anybody pray like that before in my whole life. I knew something had shifted. The next day, they checked my blood. It had dropped to almost normal. The next day, it dropped to normal, and they released me from the hospital. I never had a problem with my kidneys from that day to this, and that was 16 years ago. The doctors didn't know why I got sick, and they didn't know why I got healed, but I know why it was the power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. God is good, so at that point, I was all in. I'm like, babe, we got to go to that church. And it took me like another six months to pray for her, but we eventually got here. And we got here, and we had no agenda to be in ministry, to be pastors, to be on, a, on the staff or anything. We just wanted to come and allow people to experience what we had experienced. So I got on the parking team. My wife was cleaning the bathrooms, Carmel Valley Middle School. And we just started surrendering our life and surrendering our life and starting a connect group and doing our thing. And, and eventually, God called us to be in ministry. And now we get to lead the greatest church with the greatest people on planet earth for whatever reason I felt like growing up like if I gave my whole life to God he would send me to Africa if I'd have known Pastor Quasha, I'd have been like she went to Africa so I didn't have to go but God knew that I like large portions and free refills. He knew that I liked baseball, hot dogs, and apple pie. He knew I liked America, so he left me here. And I realized this, that when you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. He's not going to send you somewhere and make you do something that you don't like. He's going to give you the desires based on the gifts that he's given you, and he's going to put purpose on the inside of you. When I came here, I started to get purpose. I started to realize there's more to life than what I was living. And my wife and I just began to surrender and began to surrender and began to surrender. And now I couldn't imagine a life living differently than I am right now. I'm so grateful that my kids get to grow up here because they already know what the power of God is, which I think is the glue to keep them connected their whole life. But it starts with just surrendering your life to Jesus. And that resurrection power can come on your life. It's for everybody. The first step is just inviting Jesus into your life. So I want to ask you, if you just close your eyes, just for the next minute or so, I want to give you an opportunity. It might be tough like Jesus in the garden when it was like, should I choose God's will or, or, or my will? It might be tough, but I'm telling you, when you make the decision, heaven will come and give you resources and strength. So if that's you today and you've never asked Jesus into your life, 
Or maybe you're here and you just need a fresh start. You've been away from God for a long time and you're like, you know what, Easter 2022, I'm coming back to Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you're confused. You're not sure what would happen if you died tomorrow. Would you end up in heaven or would you not? So if you're one of those three people, I'm gonna count to three. When I count to three, I want you to lift your hand and we're gonna pray for you. One, two, three. Just lift your hand where I can see it. God bless you, 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 God bless you. God bless you in front, thank you. God bless you in front, thank you. God bless you all over the building, all over the building. All over the building. Overflow, lift your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody else? Thank you, I see those hands. I see those hands all over, thank you. So proud of you. This is a day that everything changes for you. God bless you, sir. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you over here to my right. Thank you, beautiful couple over there. Thank you over here in the front to my right. Thank you. God bless you over here to my left. Thank you. Over here, overflow. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you right here in the front. Okay, we're going to do this. Everybody, you can look at me. I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. You don't have to do it. God can, God can touch you in your seat. You can stay in your seat. But I found if you stay in your seat, we're tempted to just stay in our seat. But if you come to the altar, God alters things. He changes things. So I want to ask you, if you lifted your hand, I want to pray for you personally right up here in the front. Overflow, I'd love to pray for you as well. So can we all stand to our feet? And can we clap and cheer for those people that lifted their hand? I promise you, people will get out of your way if you're coming up front. Come on, let's cheer. Overflow, come on in. I think we maybe got most of us. I'm not sure all the, if those all those people are, are over there, people from Overflow. I'm so glad that you came up. And I'm so proud of you guys. I know that it's always not easy to kind of step out and, and come forward, but I really believe that when we take that step of faith, God God meets us in that, in that place. So I'm proud of you. Today's everything's going to change for you. So we're going to pray a quick prayer. Everybody in the building is going to pray it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it, and you guys can repeat after me, okay? And then I'm just going to say a quick prayer for you after that. Is that cool? So let's pray this prayer. Everybody in the building, say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. Lord Jesus, today, I ask you to come into my life, and I acknowledge that you are the Christ, 
that you were raised from the dead. And I declare that I am saved, that heaven is my home, and that God is my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Bible says, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life in heaven. All you got to do is believe. Let me just pray. Father, I thank you for these awesome people. Lord, I thank you that this is the first day of complete transformation. God, I pray that you would invade every part of their life that feels empty. God, that you would speak to them, that you would, that you would um, allow them to feel your presence and see the things you're doing in their life and see the things that you've already done in their life. God, I'm praying for a miraculous 2022 for these great people. And Lord, we honor you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.